I'm not telling you to avoid language speakers. That would be nuts. I am not nuts on that point. Do you mean not avoid native speakers, right? Because avo don't avoid language speakers would be kind of hard. Hey folks, welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Dow. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast, as always with Lindsay Dow and Kirsten Cable. Hey Lindsay Dow! Hey Kirsten Cable! Hey, and happy birthday to you! Oh, thanks. <laughs> you don't sound that excited about it. 27? That's, that's the age all the cool people die. Amy Winehouse, Kurt Cobain... Janice Joplin. I'm on my guard this year. I'm on my guard. It sounds like the age that just rock stars die. Well, am I not a rock star? Is I that what you're trying know. to say there? Well, are you addicted to drugs? Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> Does that mean I'm okay? Am I in the clear? I think a little bit more in the clear. I have also heard this 27 being the year of, of danger or of kind of... Um, crisis um and speaking speaking as somebody who is now 33 which is the year that jesus died um i i don't know i i look back on 27 very fondly i think it's a good year well i hope i will too yeah I, i'm certain you will because you're getting married this year yeah not long yeah exactly so there's so much to look forward to i don't think you've got anything to worry about you've got so many exciting things going on and i sound like an old lady <laughs> so Lindsay, um as you know we we usually kind of start our show off with talking a little bit about what we've been up to in language learning and for you guys the listeners we have decided we've had a little chat and Lindsay and I decided to frame this in a slightly more structured way and we're going to cover the good the bad and the struggling new feature on the show so I'm going to ask Lindsay now and see how she gets on with this new structure Lindsay, what's been good in your language learning? What's been bad? And is there anything that you're struggling with? Hmm. Okay. What's been good is my routine, which over the summer normally is a bit haywire. Okay. But it's been not too bad considering sort of holidays and all sorts going on and birthdays and all that malarkey. So I'm, I'm happy with that. What's been bad? Hmm. I'm not speaking with people as much as I would like to. So that's that's a bad thing. And it's a bad thing and not a struggle because I know how I can fix that, right? I know I need to go on iTalky, get on HelloTalk, find people to talk with. So I know how to fix that one. The struggle right now, I think I'm, okay, I'm I'm hoping in sort of September, October time, I want to start to learn a new language. And so I guess the struggle is deciding when is a good time? What do I drop from my routine to bring that language in? And how do I still make sure that that other language still gets a little bit of my attention from time to time? Mm, so this is about picking up a new language and kind of separating the time you spend with the new and the old language, I suppose. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And is So there what would you suggest Ooh. for my struggle? For how can struggle? I fix this? I think you are the queen of scheduling. So I would actually advise you to kind of look at percentages of uh -huh. your 100% language learning time and perhaps look at, okay, I want to spend 60% still with Korean and I want to spend 40% of my time on the new language and then really 
allocate your days. And I can imagine because you are so good at scheduling ahead and setting up routines that that would absolutely help you out just to structure it out in advance. Okay. I like the percentage idea. I'm going to give that a go. Mm. Danke schön. Bitte schön. You're welcome. What about you? What are you? What's the good, the bad and the struggle? In my languages? Oh, the good is that um, most certainly I am, I am feeling kind of at, can I say at one with the language? <laughs> I love that. Yes, you definitely can. It sounds silly because I'm not exactly you know, fluent or or able to express myself kind of without without struggling. You know, and my sentences still sound like word, word, hmm, hmm, wordy, wordy, hmm. <laughs> you know, they, they, they are very cumbersome sentences. Um, but we do know that production in language comes, you know, comes slower than, than understanding and kind of reception, I would say. So so that's, I guess, not something to really worry about. So I think it's, I'm feeling good about the language. It keeps intriguing me. It keeps um, throwing up interesting parts. I've really enjoyed the the, the playlist called, um, the, or the playlist, making a playlist for Welsh language album of the year. And the, the music of Wales is extremely impressive. The culture is kind of interesting. It's not very, not that different from British, but there's just so much to discover. So I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling good about the language I'm learning. But cool. what, what's been bad, perhaps, is, that, is, is my cumbersome production and kind of how slow I am and how much that can make you feel like, Oh my God, I actually know nothing. So I'm very good at replying to the sentences and kind of piecing the sentences together that my tapes want me to piece together. But I'm not quite as good when I'm actually challenged to, you know, to, to converse with people. So that's something that really, really needs a lot of time addressing itself and, you know, needs to kind of get better. Now, something I'm struggling with and something I've, I've been struggling with is whether to, um, whether to make time to join my, to join a class, you know, like, or to, to find, to reach out to somebody locally, because this is a language that's quite commonly learned in the UK. So it's actually quite possible to find other Welsh learners, even where I live. But I've been a bit shy about reaching out to them and meeting with them and, you know, practicing my Welsh together and I'm not quite sure I'm not quite sure if I should do you think I should wait until I'm better no I I would my my advice for that for that struggle would be definitely to get out there as soon as you can and and try to uh, to speak with people no matter what level you're at because it's always going to help you and I guess this fits with our topic that we're going to discuss in a minute for today's episode mm -hmm. um but you know there's always going to be something useful from from speaking with other learners with native speakers you know that that's that's what language is about so yeah i recommend go, go out there give it a go kirsten mm. it's it's a funny one isn't it because the second i said should i wait until i'm better i realized that that is something i would never tell anybody else to do absolutely yeah <laughs> never course. wait until you're better you know always yeah. just do it Yes, absolutely. So you're right. You're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and go ahead with that. And you already mentioned um, Welsh is a is a really interesting example of of what we're going to talk about today, which is that kind of um, 
the the principle, okay, the statement, the hypothesis that we are going to be uh, bringing to you today, bringing in front of you, um, and you listener can be our our judgment panel and see how you agree and how you're feeling about this one because it may be considered controversial, but I strongly believe in this. So I'm I'm aiming this at learners say in their first maybe two years of language learning, depending on what speed you're going at, right? Depending on the kind of how how much you want to travel and, you know, speak in a week and do all those kind of things. But generally speaking, if you're acquiring a language, hypothesis proposed, Lindsay Dow, what do you think, is okay. you don't actually need a native speaker to learn a language. It is not necessary to be searching high and low for native speakers, native tutors especially, um, are not necessary. You can learn language just as well when you don't have conversations with native speakers if you're a beginner. Mm. Mm. I, I'm sat here, my eyes are like rolled up to the top and I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, the languages I've studied and how I've studied them and where did the native speakers come in? Mm. Okay. This is, this is a good topic. Mm. So, okay. I'm going to give you my, I'm going to give you my reasons why I think this matters. Reason number one is that the native speaker is slightly fetishized to the point where people people get so hung up about only speaking with native speakers and i think people will to a certain extent hold themselves back or let let the idea of somebody being not a native speaker even if they're very advanced in a foreign language really really stand in their way so what that leads to is that you almost go out refusing yourself to take every opportunity and respecting only the native speaker but not putting their teacher or interests in conversation or kind of their their other skills first so it may be that i'm trying to learn a new language say i'm starting from scratch in let me pick something that i haven't done before portuguese so I want to start from scratch in Portuguese and I've got the choice between um, somebody who might live locally, who has been studying Portuguese for four or five years, who can totally have a conversation in this language, or I'm going on italki and like specifically looking for a native speaker because that is what, that is what I think will get me further. But point number two is that the native speaker doesn't really know what I'm struggling with right now. They don't, they've never maybe dealt with a language learner, whereas the, say, English native who has learned Portuguese as a foreign language will have gone through the same struggles that I have gone through. They will have had to understand the same grammar concepts that I have had to understand. They have gone through the same layers of vocabulary so they know the structure of their language and it's not just a conversation anymore. It is something that recreates something that has already been successful and that is something that you just cannot get with a native speaker. So the two points I'm kind of putting before you are access and I think you can you can get so much access to people who have learned a foreign language and who are teaching that now from having learned it and number two actually a level of 
shared say level of common ground that you're sharing with somebody who is way more advanced than you so my hypothesis here is if you're especially if you're a beginner the native speaker is so far ahead of you that they're not serving you as well as somebody who is halfway across the way to to that high level that you want to reach hmm i think i agree with you Boom, end episode. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've come to a conclusion. No, I think I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think that because, I, and I love what you say about, you know, a, a, a tutor, especially on the tutor side of things, right? A tutor that is a non-native speaker, they have gone through what you've gone through in an environment much more similar to you than a native speaker who learned things at birth very naturally, not at birth, you know, from birth, um, very naturally, right? So, yeah, I agree. I think that non-native tutors in that sense are very useful. I think, however, there comes a point, um, and I've recently said this to a student of mine who, you know, we've worked together for a, a good few years now, and now it's got to the point where he needs a native tutor mm-hmm. because he needs that level of, um, he, he's ready. he's ready now to go up a level. Right. Mm. And I can still help him, but not in the same way that a native tutor could. And it would be wrong of me to just keep teaching him and to kind of uh, not not be honest with him and say, look, you you can you're ready. You can you can do this with a native tutor now. And I think that it's almost a progression in that sense. But that's not to say that a native tutor shouldn't teach beginners or, you know, can't teach beginners, because, of course, when it comes to a tutor who has been or a teacher, you know, who's been trained and qualified and everything and knows what they're talking about. And they know the the grammar and the structure and the nuances of their own language because they've learned it. They've been taught it. Then they can, of course, they can teach you. Of course they can. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, completely leaving the leaving it aside that a native speaker it is it can be an amazing language tutor. Um, I mean, I'm a German native speaker and I try to be an amazing German but, tutor. But here's the, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. A native speaker and a native tutor are two different things, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, some, like you, you said this, I think, as well, right? Someone can be a native speaker. That doesn't mean they're a teacher. Yes. And also when, you know, thinking back to the way I have had to relearn certain aspects of German when I became a tutor there's there's really something there where you have an if you have a native teacher or a native tutor it's somebody who has taken the time and made the effort to think about the language from your point of view so that they yes they will give you that oh this sounds much more natural but they're actually also going to give you a reason they're going to give you the page in a book that this refers to right so that you've got somebody who will tell you why the sentence sounds better this and that way but you'll also be able to get the background and I think that is really really important and something especially as a beginner when you're still acquiring grammar structures that is just huge I really love what you're saying Lindsay about progressing to the native tutor and that all or all the native speaker you know no matter if they're a tutor or not and that kind of brings me to a a really interesting point, which is the idea that the native speaker, if you don't start with them, can be almost like your your intermediate level challenge, right? So you yeah. don't start learning and with a native tutor but or native speaker, but you you're kind of 
you're challenging yourself. You're kind of testing yourself against this. Exactly. And I don't want to say that you should avoid native speakers or native tutors from the beginning, because for some people, it could be that that is exactly what you need, because the idea of that being a challenge. And, you know, if you if you are just speaking with non-native um, tutors and, and other learners that are non-native speakers of this language, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, but I've never spoken with a native speaker. That for a lot of people could be incredibly intimidating and terrifying. And that's not what you want. Mm. So you know, you, you also have to decide what's right for you in, in terms of when do you bring in this sort of nativeness. Yeah. And I said nativeness, not nakedness. I should clarify. No one misheard you except you. Damn. (laughs) But there's, that's a, that's a really important point. I think the, the native speaker as well, and it, it brings back this point that we have we've heard so so many times and it's so so true is that if you're really new to language learning and you're still kind of wondering how you're going about the whole thing and that automatically means that your confidence is not quite where it is when you're on language kind of five or six it's it's that much more helpful to it's that much more helpful to take out this idea that this is a native speaker because you're setting yourself this extremely high standard and you're automatically, you know, no matter, you come into this class. So this is point number three, I guess. It's a confidence point. You come into a class or an ex- or language exchange meeting with a native speaker. If that person isn't trained in how you learn a foreign language and isn't trained to expect that there is going to be a huge speaking difference between you and them, then they're not going to allow for that, which automatically is going to make you feel that much worse. It really brings you that far down Um, because you have that kind of lumbering, what I described in Welsh earlier, that kind of wordy word, just mm, wordio word you know you you really you are slow and if your native speaker doesn't allow for that you you're going to feel the gap so much bigger than you've ever felt it before which bring brings it to a point that i have about what you're actually aiming for right could i say though that could also be something that you feel with a non-native tutor i think if you've got a non-native tutor who you know depend and this is this is then depends on character and personality right Mm mm-hmm but if you have someone who perhaps doesn't come across as very patient, then maybe you would feel the same way. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Right. I mean, I'm reminded of um, kind of what I always think of, and forgive me, Russia, but what I'm, what I'm always thinking of as, as the kind of Russian style of, of teaching, which is, is very kind of like, say this, say it right, say it again, say it right. And it's it's not just Russian, but it's kind of the you know, mid-century, what we think of language learning. You, so you go to a class, you're meant to parrot something. If you don't copy it right, you someone will slap you on your fingers. So you have to mm. do it again. And that is just a, a, a horrific way of teaching in my eyes. And it doesn't really serve, certainly doesn't serve anyone over the age of what, born. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, you're making a really good point there. So that, that there is, you know, we, we need to frame this, that it's always also about the personality of your tutor and your tutor being relatively, again, permissive and kind of allowing for that and looking for, I think, the common ground that they have with you. So I think something I really want to bring out is is the idea, and this is certainly in polyglot circles, 
and the polyglot okay the polyglot circles in the sense of people who go on the internet and talk about all the languages that they want to learn and how they want to learn them and what they're kind of aiming to be which isn't just the polyglot people it's it's you know anyone wanting to learn a language and kind of talking about it will eventually talk about what their goal is right what they want to be like and i think it is very problematic at the start of your language learning journey to set yourself the goal of being native like because because there is so much in between right that is your end game that's your end goal so what you what people do i think is they go out looking for a native speaker because they want to become like a native speaker but there is so much in between to be learned that my argument would be you know set yourself set yourself milestones not abandon your goal but set yourself milestones mm. and something in addition to that is or oh, you know i've got a lot to say about this obviously something in addition to that is the idea and this is something i read about in the being fluent book that i really really enjoyed um being fluent by roger kreutz and richard roberts probably the best language book i've read recently um they talked about this idea of accent, right? And wanting to sound native-like and wanting to abandon how you sound. So you don't want to sound foreign. You don't want, but you also then start mimicking um, idioms in a foreign language. You start mimicking kind of exactly how natives talk at a point when you're not quite ready to do that yet. And something that you're doing there, I think, is you're doing yourself a disservice by almost denying your own natural personality, language learning skill, you're not allowing yourself to express yourself in a foreign language because you're that busy copying the native speaker who is right on all counts. And I don't really like that. That's actually very interesting because I'm thinking about when when people, you say about idioms and stuff, right? When people learn those sort of things, not, not too early, but maybe I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm trying to explain this in the right way. If if someone says, um, oh, like, you know, oh, it's raining cats and dogs outside. And you kind of think, huh, that's cute. They know that idiom. And I don't mean that in a patronizing way. I just mean that that's, that's genuinely what I think. And then I will think, oh, well, they've learned that. So they probably know how to say this, this and this. So I can talk to them this fast and at this pace and at this, you know, with these kind of vocabulary. And then... If, if that's you and you've learned those set idioms and you've said the idiom, but actually you're not quite ready for what people would expect you to be at, at that point, that can be then a bit of a downfall if they then return to you and go, oh, well, it's really chucking it down, isn't it out there? It's gross. Look at that rain. It's so proper heavy rain. Real, real, real fine rain that soaks you through or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go, oh, hang on. I didn't learn this much about rain. I don't know. I don't know if I've expressed myself right there. Is, mm. Does that make any sense? Yes, it makes a yeah. lot of sense to me. It to me, it means that um, there's something really interesting about that, and I think it's it kind of comes comes back to to I think the point I was trying to make. So we'll get there eventually, which is about um, almost d- denying yourself and kind of really wanting to impress, right? So especially when you've got that native speaker out there, you you know you go looking for. You go looking for a saying, and I think it's raining cats and dogs is such a typical one in English that every English book seems to have it in. Um, but how many people have you heard say it, right? 
no one ever since exactly. I've lived in the UK. No one actually says this. It's so funny. Whereas it's chucking it down is something that people yeah. actually say. But it's also about like the type of rain that they, that they say it about. Um, yeah. And English people will say it's chucking it down when Germans think it's drizzling. It's <laughs> really, really weird. So there's there's something kind of crazy there <laughs> you know it goes a little bit goes a little bit further into again into expressing yourself into into being more aware of the context that you're coming into and i'm really i'm really thinking of this as a timeline right you're standing at the start and you've or maybe a you know like a any kind of stretch you know how long is a piece of string kind of thing but you know it's imagine it's a timeline and at the start there you are starting your language you know you've kind of you're kind of learning the first words for hello my name is so and so and at the end of your timeline is you've just had this conversation with somebody where you've gone oh it's chucking it down yeah how's it going mate oh are you right yeah whatever you know and you really you know you've gone as native like as you possibly can which you know is something that that I can manage now in English, but I started learning English um, 23 years ago. So it's a long time. So this timeline doesn't doesn't necessarily end, but you've got your specific kind of milestone point on there. And I'd like to refer you as well to episode 46, where we talked about this with um, Tristan and Gareth, two very advanced language learners in various different languages. And I think, Lindsay, you're very advanced in Spanish. I, I've got very high levels in French, but especially in English as my foreign language. You know, you... We know we're never finished, but we think there's a finishing point somewhere. And the native speaker and that conversation with the native speaker, that this conversation that we imagine when we go out looking for the native speaker as a beginner is the end conversation, right? In your head, you're already having that conversation when you're talking to the native. But what you're forgetting is that you've got this long journey that you that that is going to that point towards that point and every now and then a teacher who has learned the language as a foreign language will be will be able to kind of carry you a little bit further towards that native thing because they are they're ahead of you and they're going to help you kind of just say hey here's how I got to this point where I am this point on the timeline so i think what lindsay was saying earlier about essentially at some point you outgrow the non-native teacher, and that is true, but not when you're starting. Mm. But then, here's a question. Okay. What about, I know we discussed a few episodes back now about in-country learning. Mm. What about if you are with native speakers and you're at that beginner stage? Because that can happen too, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So tell me more about that kind of... So I'm thinking, okay, let's go for one scenario. So let's say you've just moved to a new country. Let's say Italy, right? You don't speak much Italian. Maybe you've had a Michelle Thomas CD in the car. You've, you know, you've tried to get a sort of foundation before you've gone out there, but you've moved out there with very little knowledge of the language. And so your, your main resource is native speakers. Now, surely that, that's not a bad thing, is it? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. No, that's that's absolutely true. I think it's I think my point is more aimed at the fallacy, kind of the wrong thinking. And and it is it is a fallacy. Mm. It is the fallacy of seeing the goal but not seeing the journey. Okay. And what that practically means when you're starting, I think often is that the fallacy becomes all I need is a native speaker and then I'll be there. 
Because I suppose even even with a general kind of basic goal of, I don't know, I'm going to have a 10, 15 minute conversation with a native speaker mm-hmm. at the end of six months, three months, two weeks, whatever it might be. Even that is quite vague because mm. 15, you know, that could be, you yeah. say. I hate the 15 minute conversation. Goal. Yeah. Well, what's the conversation about? And have you, do you know this person? Do you know, you know, do they understand you if you don't know a word? Do you have this connection with this person already? So that, that is kind of an interesting one and yes. i guess the idea of that is that is generally given as native speaker have the conversation with native speaker be able yeah. to order an ice cream with native speaker and of course you know we don't learn a language not to speak to the people that are born speaking that language that would be crazy um conlang's coming into my head like madness now right but mm-hmm. <laughs> but i i do think that we don't necessarily want to ignore non-native to non-native speakers, whether that be tutors or um, you know people that you can have a language exchange with, like like yourselves on a sort of student basis. In a in a kind of way, a a, a potentially better way of phrasing that goal at least starting to phrase that goal. I like the idea of buying ice cream, you know, but it's not buying ice cream from a native speaker. Oh, wow, it was a native speaker. I just, there's something about that that just doesn't sit well with me, where if you said, I want to buy an ice cream specifically in that language, right, Mm. without using my native language, I Mm. want to do this, I want to feel confident doing this entirely in another language. I want to understand all the replies in the other language. I think those are better goals. And I guess it's, I, I, perhaps there's something, it reminds me of, you know, like you said, Conlangs. And then I started thinking about Welsh, which because of because of its history as, as a language that was very much in decline, didn't really have a lot of native speakers in the sense of yeah. people who were born bilingual there are there are native welsh speakers out there and some really fantastic tutors who are welsh native speakers right so exactly exactly your point that that is absolutely true but there are many many people who are way ahead of me in welsh oh my god but they're all bilingual and very rarely have they really lived entirely in welsh but i'm reminded i'm thinking of Gareth, for example, Gareth Popkins, mm. he is so good in Welsh. Or Simon Simon Eger from Omniglot. Mm. These are English native speakers who have entirely learned this language as a foreign language. They are so far ahead of me, they could probably teach me for a year. Wow. And the, the thing you've just reminded me of, one last point I want to make on this um, topic is when we talk, when we, I'm thinking about the polyglot gathering in Berlin as mm-hmm, an example mm-hmm. of this. And what tends to happen is a lot of my time there is spent speaking English because generally you communicate with people in their mother tongue as far as possible or the language that is between you the strongest language. That could be a mother tongue for one of you but not for the other or it could be not a mother tongue for either of you but a language that you both speak well enough to communicate with. And that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. I just I just thought of that as, as you were talking about Welsh and, and finding native speakers and, and people being bilingual and things like that just came to mind. Yeah, there's just something about this. I find that 
I don't really have a problem. Let me let me get this out before people go and burn my house down. I don't have a problem with people looking for a native speaker as a, you know, as a helper on their language journey. I'm not telling you to avoid language speakers. That would be nuts. I am not nuts on that Do you point. mean not avoid native speakers, right? Because avo- don't avoid language speakers would be kind of hard. Yeah, definitely don't avoid language speakers. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, don't avoid native speakers. That would be insane. However... Just don't think that you need a native speaker in order to make progress. That is something, or you know, and I think some of the marketing that goes hand in hand with language learning on online that I have seen kind of feeds into that, right? So that people want to have, people always set their goal as this conversation with the native speaker. And it's... You know, there are, it's like you say, there are so many languages out there where this wouldn't even apply. You know, what, you know, and you, can you not joyfully learn a language if there aren't native speakers? Of course you can. And you can, you know, go around looking. So it's that case of find somebody who is an awesome tutor. And that doesn't mean necessarily someone who's qualified, but, but it personality wise, who has something of that patience that coaxing out that and that recognizing that you're on a path and they want to help you along the path i think find somebody who is that who is better than you in that language and that is all that you need boom that's our takeaway from today's episode it is thank you very much so it's i think that is an important an important takeaway so that was kind of our main discussion and as Lindsay and i were talking to each other before we wanted to try and give you guys an episode that is maybe a little bit tighter than what we have been doing what we've been doing before so we are at about half the running time that we normally have on this show and i think it's time to to say we've said that all that we all that we wanted to cover and we've debated this topic i think quite in a really interesting way i've had a really really interesting and good time giving you hopefully something to think about uh lindsay is there something that you want to add on the subject of the native or non-native or whatever tutor no i think i'm and like i said that what you said at the end there perfect takeaway from the whole discussion Mm. So tutor or no native or not native, just find somebody who who makes you feel like they could be a good tutor. And maybe at an intermediate stage, start working with two people. I think mm. that's a, a great way of going about this. Okay. And with that being said, you guys, please leave us comments and kind of respond to this and tell us what you think about whether a native tutor or a non-native tutor or a native exchange partner or just moving to the country and just being immersed. What is the best method of learning a language in your eyes? If you have any thoughts, just leave them on the blog post or send them to us on Twitter. We are hashtag CLLP. Lindsay is LD Languages on Twitter and I am Kirsten Hammers, I had to think that. Uh, that is about it for today. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And goodbye from Lindsay. Adios. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and to rate the podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher. That's always very much appreciated. If you have any feedback or you've got any questions, you can email me, Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can find me on Facebook, Fluent Language Tuition, or on Twitter, at Kirsten Hammers, that is K-E-R-S-T-I-N-H-A-M-M-E-S. 